0: Yo, what up? Welcome to Free Refills Podcast, where we come together as youth leaders to discuss the realities of leading in youth ministry. Our hope is that you ha- you leave refilled, refueled, and re-energized to carry on in ministry. I'm your host, Boss, coming to you from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm joined by my co-host today, Orlando.
1: How you doing? How you doing?
0: Coming to you from Cincinnati, Ohio. Each episode, we have a special guest, join us in our conversation. For today's conversation, we have Lena Queen. Lena, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. I'm honored to be here.
0: Lena, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you located? Uh, Who's in your family? And how long have you been in ministry?
2: I am located in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. And I am I've been married for almost 15 years to my best friend, Reverend Jonathan Queen, and we have six adult children and six grandchildren with one loading on the way. (laughs) Um, I'm a staff minister at the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. I'm also the assistant director of Unashamed Youth Ministry there. Um, I'm in my third year at Capitol Seminary and Graduate School as a clinical mental health um, counseling graduate student. And I'm also a mental health first aid instructor, and I have been in ministry since 2001. So this is year 20 for me.
0: Awesome! I'm so so excited to have this conversation with you, Orlando. You've got some some questions queued up.
1: Yes, I do. Uh, So these are going to be some hitting questions just to start us off. I know we're getting deep real quick. Okay, so first question is this. Get ready. It's going to hit you across the face on this one. What is your favorite drink? Water. Water. Oh, yes. Now.
2: I, I now, love water.
1: Do you love water? It's okay. Are we talking sparkling water, ice water, room temperature water? Where are we at with this?
2: I like it room temperature. I do prefer room temperature. Um, I typically order my my water without ice and with lemon. I love it infused with with fruit. So lemon. My favorite water is lemon, cucumber, lime, and orange, and a, and a little bit of mint. It's amazing.
1: Okay, so you are a water kind of sewer, and you start throwing in the infused flavors in there. That's that says a lot. Okay, great, great, great. All right, all right. We're going to get a little bit deeper this time. All right, all it's right. a little more personal. Okay, what is your favorite movie? <laughs> that you don't like to tell people is your favorite movie, right? So it's like a movie that's probably not like, you know, Schindler's List. That's like this huge, you know, well-respected film. Like, but it may be like Wild Wild West, right? Like this really terrible film that you probably shouldn't enjoy because it just was bad. Like, do you have a favorite film that's like that? Um, Let's,
2: I think I like the step the step up movies, the dance movies. I was a dancer growing up. Um, I was also a um, a liturgical dancer with the church. So I like the step up okay. movies, not great acting at all, but I love them. Um, but as a therapist, I think one of my favorite movies is Inside Out. Um, you know, you oh, first watch it, yes. and you're, most people are looking at it from a cartoon standpoint, but from um, a mm-hmm. therapist mindset, this, this opens you to a whole different world of what you're watching and analyzing and diagnosing while you're walking through the movie
1: that's great that is amazing yes I love that movie <laughs> as well so last question is this is there um, a nickname that you get whether it's from a group of kids maybe your grandkids um is there a particular nickname that you are be proud of that people call you
2: well, the young people that I serve with, they call me Mama Queen. And absolutely, um, that's an honor because if they see me um, in a position of, of spiritual mother in their life, that just, that's, I'm so honored um, for them to call me that. So, yes. And my glam babies, and I call them glam babies because I still consider myself too young to be a grandmom, but my glam babies call me Mama. Um our our first That's young <laughs> my my first grandson um is well he's six I think he's six now. Um he could not say he couldn't say um grandma, so he said mama. Mm. And it just kinda stuck. We kinda I kinda was in that um I don't know what I want them to call me stage, but my mom really stuck. Okay.
1: That one, that's the one that that tugged at your heartstrings. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate getting to know you and such a deep level to, for you to open up yourself to us mm-hmm. in the way that you have. Very transparent. Thank you so much for that.
2: Oh, my pleasure. <laughs>
0: Well, Mama Queen, we're we're excited that you're sitting with us. So it is, uh, yeah. It's a it's an honor to also know your your nickname and, and the way that uh, people people refer to you that are closest to you. Um, well, let's get in our conversation. So this this month our theme is light in the darkness, and we're focusing on mental health within youth ministry, not just students, but as leaders. The winter months can be difficult as seasonal depression is on the rise. Um, We're still in a pandemic. Some of our job security is uncertain. Um, And there's a list of other stressors that that come at us daily and affect us daily. Today, we're gonna talk about mental health and we're gonna talk about our faith journey as well as that all interweaves together, the impact of mental health within the black community and practical steps we can take to cope productively. Um, Lena, thanks for being with us in this conversation. When we were talking about, um, when we were prepping for it and we were, we had this idea of this conversation where we felt like we needed to talk about it. Uh, you were the one that was the top of the list. People were like, yes, we need to go get her. She's the one. And, um, we've, we've had the honor to sit with your husband, uh, Reverend Queen a few months back. And so it's great to have this, uh, power couple to be able to have both of you, uh, in the conversation, um, and I'm I personally have been looking forward to just meeting you and sitting and learning from you. So thank you for taking this time out of your busy schedule to sit with us.
2: I'm honored. Thank you for having me.
0: Tell us a little bit to to get us going in the conversation. What led you to the field of mental health?
2: This is going to sound churchy, but it was Jesus. <laughs> um, I finished my. Um, undergrad my bachelor's degree in bible um in 2017 and I was done with school Mm. like I promised that entire last year of um undergrad like I am not going back I'm not getting a graduate degree I am done writing papers and I went to a workshop um by Dr. Anita Phillips, who, by the way, is my hero, my shero. Yeah, she did a workshop called um, demons at the door. Okay. And while I was at this workshop, um, so demons at the door talks about um, faith and mental health. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Anita is the expert um, on that platform. Mm -hmm. And while I was taking the workshop, I sat in the back row of the workshop because that is me. That's my personality. I'm in the back. Sure. Um, And I honestly heard the Holy Spirit say to me, this is what I want you to do. Hmm. And I heard it so clearly that although I was in the back row, I turned around and looked over my shoulder because I thought someone was speaking to me in my ear. Wow. Um, I was so convicted by the time I left i called my husband and i said i am going back to school i know what i'm gonna do (laughs) i told him the whole story of what happened and um i called the school i want to say that very next um that very next day and started the process to enroll in the master's program at um capitol seminary wow
0: no time to think about it you were just this is it gotta go this is
2: it Yeah. yeah and you know, on top of that, I have siblings and really close friends that um, live with anxiety,
0: hmm.
2: um, depression, PTSD, and other mental health disorders. So um, it was very easy to, to say yes to that because their mental health means a lot to me. Our young people, their mental health means a lot to me. Um, you know, suicide right now kind of alternates between the second and third cause of death in teens. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, it, it ranges between homicide and suicide, whether it's second or third. And that, that's something we need to talk about.
0: Hmm. Yeah. How has Here I am? <laughs> yeah. So touch on that. Like, how is your understanding of mental health assisted you in youth ministry then?
2: Um, so when you talk about mental health, one of the things we, we learned like growing up um and you guys i want you to finish this phrase for me when you okay. when we say sticks and stones may break my bones but
0: words, words will never, will hurt, never me. hurt me
2: this is not the dumbest thing we're it talking about it is it is the dumbest thing because words mm-hmm. do harm people
0: mm-hmm. yes, they <laughs> and do. people
2: internalize those words mm-hmm. and when they internalize them they develop the anxiety they develop depression low self-esteem. And, you know, they develop challenges that, that um, cause them problems connecting with their peers.
1: Mm, So, so.
2: yeah. So when you think about those teenage years, um, you know, you, you saw people growing up that looking back now as an adult that had mental health issues, what did you call them when you saw that type of behavior on the street? When you saw someone who now, you know, has a mental health disorder, what are some of the things that you called them? As a young person
0: i mean i Mm -hmm. guess i guess crazy is probably the first word that comes to mind exactly
2: and crazy um special Mm -hmm. um retard Mm -hmm. lunatic
0: um
2: demon possessed when you talk about um coming from our our faith-based um Uh, yeah. areas, attention-seeking, mm. coming from parents and yeah. loved ones. And, and these words are stigmas that young people um, want to avoid. They don't want people to call them those names. They don't sure. want their peers to Very much. to think about them in that manner. And we know that as teenagers, what your peers think is everything.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. It makes a big difference. I, you, you know, when you said the, the concept of words would never hurt me being really just false and untrue i even think of like what the what the word of god says like this power the power of life is in the tongue you know so like mm-hmm. your words are very important jesus christ told us the words are important uh paul peter james the prophets in the old testament your words are very much important and so for us to even say that to people is not even as as believers you know not even accurate or true like you have to be very careful what you say how, you say it to people, and and I think that's great. Can you um maybe kind of unpack that a little bit for us, and like why why is it that things that people say or feel um about you why are those so impactful? Uh, do you do you believe in that? Like what what is that? What is the cause of that?
2: Well, the the people that you have attachment to, especially um, when those words come mm-hmm. from people you love, um, it it causes you to. To second guess who you are, and when you don't have something to counter that, um, you know, for every one negative thing you hear, you need seven positive things to kind of counter that.
0: Wow! And
2: when Perfect. we're constantly um, hearing negative, um, we're not we're, we're latching on to that because that that's what we're hearing, especially young. People. So you imagine hearing those type of things from people um, in the faith community, people at church that are telling these young people you know, these deacons and ministers and reverends who um, don't have an understanding of mental health that are in their homes telling these young people that are dealing with these problems, you just don't have enough faith or you don't pray enough. You don't trust or know God enough. Like, Or what did you do to deserve this type of punishment from God? Mm -hmm. These young people are like, I'm just not going to talk about it because I don't want to hear this from Mm -hmm. the people that I should be able to have a safe space with.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I think of my my own self of like, I don't know if I can remember, you know, a a sticks and stones moment, really, right, where I'm I'm being, I didn't carry that on with, oh, that hurt me. But I, I can still, I still can remember words, words that were said over me or to me or from, especially from people in positions of authority at that time. And that's, I mean, I'm I'm in my 30s, and it was you know so half of my life ago somebody was saying those things, and I, it it still sits with me. So, as you've sat with, um, well maybe even people like myself, where you're like, okay, so how do we process through that? How do we how do we take the um, how do we take the the weight? From that and, and finally pull the power off of those words and redirect it in a way that is uh, reinforcing the things that, um, that are positive about us. does that, does that make sense? Maybe I've, I hope I've framed that question well.
2: Yeah, it, it's really an unlearning process. Hmm. You have to unlearn um, those things. So even though you said you don't remember a sticks and stones moment, um, there are things that we subconsciously take in and we may not even remember the impact it had on us at the time it occurred. But when you go through that process, um, that therapeutic process of getting to understand why your behaviors are the way they are, um, sometimes you can connect them back to those situations, those instances of those words that happened to you um, when you were younger.
0: Um,
2: So you can understand why young people are hesitant to discuss the things that they're, experiencing with people who are speaking to them in those, in those ways. Hmm. And as youth leaders, we, um, we are in spaces where we can counter, um, and help them unlearn because we have to get our young people to understand what God says about them. That's more important than the negative things they hear from people who are not feeding them that same love right. and, and care and concern that God, God speaks over them. Yeah. So, so I got into the mental health because of that. I just, um, want to be a safe space for young people to talk and I'm grateful and honored and humbled that he uses me as a safe space Mm. Um, and for youth ministry, especially, um, you have to have people in your youth ministry that are in that same space with you. Yep. Um yep. it's hard I can imagine like being in a church that doesn't have that and mm. and un- um fortunately for me I don't have that. Our pastor my our pastor is amazing. Mm. Um Pastor John K Jenkins. He's a champion of um, faith and mental health. My husband who you guys know. Yeah. Um he is the executive director of our Unashamed Youth Ministry. He's a champion mm. for mental health. He mm. provides a platform Um, We do a March Madness um, series where we talk about mental health all month long, um, and we allow our young people to be smack in the middle of that so that they can have those conversations. We make sure sure there are licensed therapists there um, after those conversations for the young people that want to process through their thoughts or they want to talk about something that they haven't talked about. Um, so being able to provide that, that safe space is what our churches um, need to do. And I'm grateful to have those type of avenues to discuss and educate our young people and our leaders about that. Mm. That's the only way we're going to break the stigma. We've got to talk about it.
0: Right, right. So like, when it comes to mental health and our faith, what, what are the, what are some things that stand out to you? Um, you know, I think of like the intersection of those two, but then I'm like, Is there even an, is there an intersection or do they run parallel to each other actually?
2: That's an awesome question. (laughs) So um, my, she wrote Dr. Anita Phillips, um, her, she has coined the phrase, prayer is a weapon and therapy is a strategy. So that's where I see intersection. And and it kind of resonates with me that um, therapy is a resource and God is the source. He makes provision for our, um, for our healing. Um, so think about if you are diagnosed with diabetes or cancer, Mm -hmm. um, or you break a bone, um, you don't just sit at home and pray for it to heal, right? Um, You pray about it. You ask God for his complete healing, but ultimately you go see a doctor that God has gifted in those specific areas to help you on that healing journey. Mm. And for me, that's what um, therapists do. And you have therapists can, um, therapists can and will work with um, the faith community, whether it's um, Christianity or it, you know something else. But Christian therapists utilize those spiritual avenues and they take the scriptural context with the science of therapeutic strategies and they help people walk along those healing journeys in a safe space for them to talk about it. And we need more of it. <laughs> mm. So when you uh, say parallel, like this is parallel, like two lines that run, right. two two paths that run next to each other in the same direction. Yep. But running in the same direction means they don't cross. They don't converge. Right. And we need them to intersect. We need them to overlap sure. in order for them to work together.
0: So it's more like inter- interwoven together, more of like a, you know, kind of, this sort of thing. Right. You know? Or, yeah. I mean, obviously I think we'd want it to be in the same, on the same path, net, like in the same lane sort yes. of thing. Yeah.
2: Like we say, I, we, we say Jesus and therapy, not Jesus yes, or I therapy. Love
0: <laughs> yes.
2: Jesus and
0: therapy. I love that. Love that.
1: You, you know, there's this thing um, and I really want to hear more about this. Uh, we don't necessarily view the brain as a part of our body oftentimes Mm -hmm. like for some reason the brain is not considered uh, the way your kidney is or your heart or anything else right like it it has the same properties as those it can break down like the rest of those can but when someone has heart disease we don't blame them for having you know high cholesterol right we don't blame them for having a heart murmur we don't blame them for having a heart attack we pray for them and then we expect them to go to a cardiologist right that's the (laughs) expectation we say god help them out and we want you to go see no take your pills every day you better not miss this uh this appointment right but when it comes to the brain for some reason we feel as though if there's a chemical imbalance that means that there's some demonic activity uh if there's something not firing with the neuron properly that means that you are praying the way you need to be praying Um, so can you kind of unpack that because you really brought up something about how we pray for people to be healed and then expecting to go to the doctor. But for some reason we did that when it comes to just mental health as, as a whole and how your brain is a part of your body that can have problems, um, and have things that might misfire from time to time. Can you help us out with that?
2: Yeah, it's, um, it's strange that people, um, Look at that, but that I mean you hit it right on the head um they see they they see it separately, but the mind body, and spirit wellness flows together, um, so when you mm. have stress, you get headaches, you get tight muscles, um, when you have anxiety, you might have loose valves or nauseous, um, our body physically responds to what our brains are experiencing emotionally mm. and spiritually so. We have to be in tune to that, and wow. we have to understand what's being affected, um, so that we can, you know, make the adjustments. Um, and when we separate that, we are operating out of order because they're not separate. They're not.
1: Wow. You know, I there's a there's a really unique thing that you're pointing out here, and how things are very much interwoven. And as even as you were talking about wellness like we we make a connection between you know our spiritual health and our physical health right where we're saying there's this whole new wave now of like I'm going out and working in the gym because my body is a temple and Mm. we have these you know pastors that are out here like verdict and they're like ripped and really tight shirts and all that stuff and it's not a bad thing at all right it's not it's not a bad thing it's it's great that we want to take care of our bodies but oftentimes we don't um make that connection to the brain but I wanna ask you another question about another kind of trend that's happening. And that's with you know mental health being a trend, more so just as we talk about young people, right? And I think that's something that we're getting across. But of course, for, for free refills, we're, we're talking to a lot of the leaders. Would you say, and this may not be accurate, I don't know, but as we're talking about mental health for young people and being intentional about having it in our ministries, uh, what about mental health for leaders? Um, is there, is that something that we should be focusing on more? Um, is it, are there some kind of some gaps that you're noticing that we should probably hit on? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause again, the trend is I'll work out all day, but like, what about the mental health part?
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, as Christian leaders, you know, we, we are called to model ourselves after Christ. And um, although mm-hmm. Christ. Always made himself available. You know, he didn't run from the responsibility. He healed people. Um, he performed miracles. He allowed children to come to him. Um, but you know, we we have to really. And this is going to sound cliche, but we can't pour from an empty cup. And you can't give to other people where you're lacking, right? So um, I, I think I hope I have this right. Matthew 14:23 I think says. Um, after he dismissed them he went up to the mountainside um, and he prayed by himself right and he did this after he fed five thousand with five loaves and two fish um, but when he was done serving he went up there to pray but that's how he refueled. and as leaders we have to refuel um, self-care is important it's about um, renewing and refreshing our bodies um, Romans 12 2 tells us that um, do not Um, conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We Mm. have to renew. Um, And typically, um, especially as adults, we look at self-care as like bubble baths and massages. And although those are great, they're absolutely great. We have to um, definitely, we have to be praying. Um, Mm. I think it is a challenge to have leaders who are leading young people, but they are lacking in their prayer life. They are lacking in their um, meditation on God's word. And, you know, we all are guilty of it sometimes because we have um, so much that's on us, but um, we have to be intentional in those areas, attending worship, being, you know, that Sunday service or Saturday service or Tuesday night Bible study. We have to be a part of that. We have to make sure that we're refueling in those ways. And then you have your therapeutic healing. Therapy, I promise you, if you aren't already seeing a therapist, it will be the best thing you ever did. The the one thing in your life that you didn't realize you needed until you go. Um, And therapeutic healing helps you with the things that you're dealing with. It helps you identify the things that trigger those things. And then it helps teach you coping skills, Um, journaling, laughing, spending time with the people that you love. Those are things our leaders uh, have to do. And most importantly, and this is, this is hard for people in youth ministry, especially in ministry as a whole, is that we have to rest.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, when, when you sit still, when you just, you're at home and you just sit still, that's how you rest your body. And when you sleep, that's how you rest your brain. Mm. So you have to rest in order to refuel. And then, of course, proper nutrition and exercise. Those are all things that um, are really important. And our leaders have to do the same and set boundaries. How many of y'all struggle with boundaries? I know I do, (laughs) but it's important to set boundaries. My husband, um, he told me this, I think it was a year or so ago. He said, you are not God's employee. You are his child. Mm. And as ministry workers, we are constantly working, working, working. Mm. And we forget that that same love and grace that we extend to the young people that we work with, we forget that God wants it for us as well. Mm. So Mm. we have to learn to say no in love Mm. or not right now. And I think as leaders, we, we often struggle with that because we feel like, um, you know we're called to kingdom build and god has gifted us to do this but um we can't give our best when we're tired yeah. and we risk harming young people when we're burnt out hmm. so mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. have to be intentional about resting
1: <laughs> I when i tell you that for that you just said uh that you said your, i believe you said your husband had to tell you that at yeah. one point he
2: shared that with me yes
1: that that when he shares that when you shared that with us, that was a it it really convicted me. I'm gonna be completely honest. Like that was a shot right in my heart of like, oh well, I've had this all the way wrong. Because sometimes we do take pride in like, oh, I'm God's employee. Like I do a specific work that's so special and so unique to the world. Um and it is, it is important work and it's necessary, but understanding that I'm I'm his child first before I'm in ministry, I'm I'm his child first. Thank you for that. Um, I, I wanted to kind of dive into something that you said, and this may be a little more of a push um, against, I guess more so just how how churches operate and function because as youth leaders, we're part of that, right? We're part of that apparatus. And I've found that a lot of young people today and I'm talking about people who are like my age or you're talking, you know, 30 and under uh, and then especially when you get into teenage years, that really kind of off put by how church has been, right? How the community of faith in a more traditional sense operates. And I'm so glad that the mental health push is there. Um, however, there's some things that you mentioned as far as like what it means to be a safe person, right? Uh, what it means to, to have a community where you can heal, but we do hear a lot of very, you know, not so healing comments from people in communities of faith. We hear conversations all the time that Make you not a safe person when I'm around you because of one one word that you could say, right? Uh, so, could you help us understand when you say be a safe person, have a healing community? What does that really look like? You know, how, if you could give us an example, whatever, like to to make sure that we fit that move because sometimes we don't.
2: Um, so, for me, safe space means um, being available for our young people. Um, we when they say that they are dealing with um, mental health issues, they are operating in courage to come forward and Mm. say, I need help. And um, we don't want to assume that they're attention seeking or assume that they, you know, um, sometimes in the society that our young people are living in today, Um, attention is a fad. So if everybody is dealing with depression, you have some young people who will say they're depressed to get that attention. We can't assume that they're Mm attention-seeking. We have to be available for them in those spaces because sometimes we are are the only people that they trust to come um, forward to. Um, Be transparent about um, what we have dealt with, um, what we are currently dealing with, Young people see through the facade. They know when you're being fake. They know when you don't really want to sit and talk to them. So, you know, be transparent mm-hmm. about um, what it is that you're dealing with so they can understand that perfection is not a goal that they're going to reach. Jesus was the only perfect person. Mm-hmm. And when we put on this, I am perfect um, persona, they know that you're not. They 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 see it and they probably see it more when you think you're hiding it the best.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Um, so, um, I, I would say that be available, um, be transparent, um, and be a listening ear. Don't always feel like you have to have the answer for them right there in the moment. Be able to say, you know what, I'm not Mm. sure what to say or do at this moment, but let me find out because, you know, I care enough about you that, um, I want to make sure you have the right answer. Yeah. And our young people know, like, um. I think it was uh, Theodore Roosevelt that said people don't care um how much you know until they know how much you care that is our young people they are the they are the epitome of that statement Mm
0: -hmm. that's so good I before we get to the end of it I think um we're sitting in a workshop with you and so you sit in a workshop with Dr. Anita Phillips and so you're 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 that to us so thank you thank you for, for this. This, this is so good it reinforces some of the things that um, possibly that Orlando and I both know already but just need to hear it again from another voice and so thank you for mm-hmm. that um, I, I I agree I think it's you know I agree on all of it because it's like as leaders we We just want to keep going day, like from the moment we wake up to the moment that we can, we don't have anything left to give physically. And we have this expectation probably that we put on ourselves from other people that we, we perceive as what we're supposed to do and putting those boundaries up to keep us, keep us running the race that is a lengthy race instead of burning out. Uh, There's a lot of stuff there. I'm, myself like I, i'm a i'm a pk so i grew up a pastor's kid you know sitting sitting second row every single service that sort of thing and i watched as my father did that he didn't have boundaries he just ran and ran and ran and and was yeah. out for everyone else and i have taken that in in my ministry journey going nope Mm-mm. last people to be dis like the only people that can be disappointed with me are people that are outside of my family. My family can't be disappointed in me. And I've got to continue on this race because this is what God's burdened in my heart. So I just thank you for saying that about putting up boundaries and, and doing what having good rhythms for us, you know, for our health. One of the things um, that I'm, I'm so curious about is with the rise in awareness of mental health through the last, I don't even know if it's been the last decade, 20 years, that sort of thing where it's like, okay, we're having these conversations. What has the impact been in the black community on mental, with mental health, where those two things coincide?
2: And, and before we go there, I kind of, yeah. is it okay to kind yes. of go back to what you just said? Yes, um, please. I think as as youth ministry workers, we um, get in that mode of, of running and we, forget that if we don't respond to um, our challenges and take the time to rest, Mm -hmm. um, God will move us out of the way. He can do this without us. And I think we get in that mindset Mm. of that, you know, I got to do this. I got to do this. But if we are moved out of that situation, he's still going to do it. He's still going to do it. And if we get in that mindset of, you know, saying no means that, um, We understand and believe that our identity um, lies in who he says we are. Hmm. So he already knows our strengths, our limitations, and saying no for the right reason is what's important. You know, as long as we're not saying no, because we're just, you know, being mean and don't want to be bothered, I I think we're we're good. But we do have to understand that with or without us, God is still going to, his plan is still going to prevail.
0: Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So I just good. wanted to say that. No, I love it. Love it.
2: Um, so you talk about the rise um, of awareness in in the black community and we're going to go here. Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> the challenge in the black community really comes from the statement that a lot of black families, um, typically say it 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 comes down to what happens in this house stays in this house and it is one Mm. of the most damaging statements that black households uh, repeat and they hold tight to that Mm. um you know secrets they say secrets keep you sick if you don't talk about them you can't heal from them Mm. and it and it's sad because what i have learned is that um families, especially um, minority families, they will disown a child that comes out as being gay or lesbian, Mm -hmm. um, but they will protect the family child molester. They will not tell that Uncle Bobby did this or, you know, my son did this to my niece or did this to my daughter. They will protect Um, that person Mm. and that mindset happens more frequently than you guys realize Mm. and it's so damaging to black families because they fail to seek healing because that mindset of don't tell is deeply embedded it Mm. is deeply embedded Mm. so we have to talk we've got to talk about that stuff our babies these young people are growing up to be broken adults because they are not getting therapy early and they're not getting help and they're not being loved on and they're not being believed. And, um, we, we just, we got to stop it. We do.
0: So from, and I'm, I'm asking from your perspective, I'm Mm -hmm. not asking you to to answer for an entire community. So I just want to make sure that I'm not, I'm not, posturing myself to say can you answer for an entire group of people like i'm just asking you from your perspective why touch on that a little bit more about why 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 is that why is that why is it look, that a common phrase of what stays in this house or what is said in this house or happens in the house stays in this house where does that come from
2: i it, I think it's just passed down from generation to, to generation. I think okay. it's um to me, I think it's rooted in embarrassment. It's rooted mm. in pride. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't agree with it. It's something sure. that I know my husband and I made sure that our, um, you know, our children knew it, it was okay to talk to other people and yeah. seek other people as mentors and and, you know, have those conversations, whatever it takes for you to be better. I can only speak from my family perspective. Sure, I really strongly believe it is in, you know, embarrassment and pride. Hmm. Um, you know, it's great now, though, we have awareness that's rising in our communities. Um, you have, you know, we talked about Dr. Anita Phillips. She has a um, turn, turn the light on podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, she's doing ministry tours, psychoeducational workshops. Um, that is, she's going to different churches, and she's bringing um, awareness into the faith-based faith-based communities. Um, you have therapy for Black girls. I don't know if you've heard about that, um, yeah. but they're bringing awareness to the mental okay. health, um, especially to Black women and girls, and they're addressing the disparity in um, therapists of color. Mm. Um, so. Many black women don't go to therapy because there are not therapists that look like them. So they don't feel that they can be in a safe space when they're talking to um, a non-black therapist. Wow! I don't know, I don't personally agree with that. I believe sure. uh, with the training that I've been in, I know therapists are very well trained um, in how to respond to multicultural situations. However, um, because of what Black people have experienced, they mm-hmm. would rather sit in a room with someone that they know has been through or been possibly been where they've been um, and can understand what they're going through
0: mm-hmm.
2: without being um, judged. And until you go to therapy, it's hard to really understand that that safe space is there regardless of a person's race. But that's a challenge for Black women. And then you have the the Boris Boris Henson Foundation um, run by Taraji B. P. Henson. Okay. And she, she's also trying to eradicate that stigma and, um, you know, bring mm. awareness to the black community. And she especially focuses on um, mental health therapy for black men. Mm. And we know black men do not talk about, they are taught to suck it up. They mm. are taught to, to not show their emotions. So um, getting black men into therapy is a challenge and she is bringing awareness to that and and getting black men to understand that it is okay to talk about it and there are safe spaces out there for them.
1: Hmm. One of the things I think about when when we're talking about the uh, the black community and mental health is the, the concept of trauma. Right, and you mentioned some notions that are passed down from, from generation to generation. Yeah. I think one thing that we misunderstand about mental health uh, is that that too can be passed in generation, uh, especially when we're talking about the there. So, and, and I say that because for instance, my grandfather served in Korea. And so after coming back from Korea, there were a lot of things in the household that were just not okay, right? PTSD is uh, real. was part of his reality, um, and that affected some things uh, in 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 my mom's household that she grew up in. Right, that resulted in bipolar disorder for her. But she she was able to trace back to her upbringing and her situations and everything going on there. Uh, that then, being raised by a woman who was struggling with bipolar disorder, who for a long time didn't get help and had addictions to drugs and things like that resulted. Uh, um, not that it's right. This is not that case for that. But I've um, battled with anxiety for a long time, and it was a part of my reality. And so you can see the generational things there uh, that are that are that are real. Can you talk importance of like that reality that sometimes you need? doesn't just affect you and it it is is 100% on you but sometimes it can it can do a world of difference for others as well that
2: that's absolutely the truth um having someone in a home who is dealing um or or living through mental health concerns it absolutely affects the entire family and I think that's why it's important for um families to get help to to learn to to heal through those processes, to understand um, what the family member or or loved one that's in the home is dealing with, what they're going through, um, because when you don't understand and you don't know, um, you develop a fear, um, you develop an anxiety, um, and when you see someone who actually goes to therapy and gets help, guess what? Those people that are there, they're going to be more than likely to go as well because they've seen it. They've seen the process of what therapy has done for that that person, that loved one that they're um, involved in, and you know. So yes, it goes beyond just um, you you know DNA and being hereditary. It definitely just being in the um, environment of someone who is experiencing mental health and um, you know mental health and um, substance abuse. Often can go hand in hand because people take that substance abuse. Um, they're they're basically using the substance to try to um, mm. alleviate that pain from the trauma they've experienced. And trauma doesn't have to always be, um, you know, war or um, assault. Um, mm. Trauma can be growing up with um, one parent. Um, Seeing your parents divorce, domestic violence in the home even if it's not against you trauma um, manifests itself in so many ways mm. the music that people listen to it's mm. so um, hard to get people to understand how as adults uh, the music that you listen to affects your children people don't understand how um, you know the words that are being said the lyrics um, a young person, a, a child can hear the lyrics. And, you know, in a year or two, when they begin to sing the lyrics and dance to it, you know, people look at that as, you know, oh, it, that's cute. Um, but then when they begin to internalize those words as they grow older, you know, that's, that's um, sexual trauma um, via music. And, you know, we have to be aware of these things. And again, that educational process that has to occur in all of our communities. In order for people to understand how easy it is um, to be traumatized, but how uh, accessible it is to chase your healing if you really want it. Mm.
0: So you, well, I, that touches back on what we started out with and the phrase of sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that goes right back to, to that, which is the words that we're taking in. And it's just internalizing and trying to probably perform and then become at some point because of what we've yeah. been listening to um you said trauma are there i'm gonna try to figure out how to phrase the question is trauma is trauma trauma is it just like flatlined out like hey there are no le- i mean there's levels of trauma but is it like no, you've experienced trauma. So let's let's unpack that. You know, say there is a um, for a lack of knowledge from my part, you have somebody who experiences like a daily trauma versus say like what Orlando you brought up, a war. Those different types of traumas are they treated from the same approach? Are they taken as like, yep, you've had trauma, so let's come in like let's deal with that. And recognize that or is it can we i mean i don't want to say dismissive but i felt it feels like people will dismiss it and go well that's not you're not at a level where you need some extra help yet like you haven't had enough trauma yet to receive some help does that make sense
2: um i i think i understand where you're going um, okay i think that um there are people who look at um that's not enough trauma to seek therapy. Um, But trauma is trauma. And it can manifest in each person differently. Mm -hmm. What I experience, um, you and I can experience the same exact traumatic situation. And it may manifest itself one way with you and one way with me. Mm -hmm. Um, So when it comes to treatment, um, therapists specialize in different modalities. And there are a range of them. So no, they all won't be treated the same way. It's really going to depend on the individual um, because there's a lot of background and history and experiences that an individual goes through that has to be considered um, as the treatment plan is developed and created for Mm -hmm. that individual. It's not a cookie cutter response to therapy. No,
0: That's what I assumed. I I assumed that that was kind of the answer to that and um so with that what are some practical steps as youth leaders that we can take when we are addressing mental health with with a student or as our own selves i mean Mm -hmm. uh, how do we we hear from the like a student texts us and says hey i'm dealing with something what what's our response how do we take it to a place where we can take it from a text message to how do we get somebody sitting in front of somebody who is trained more than we are? Because that's not our role necessarily to unpack that.
2: Right, Um, you know, it kind of goes back to what we said earlier, Um, be available, um, be transparent, love on that child. They, to come to you is a step of courage that they may have pondered in their minds for weeks or, or months. So, um, you know, really love on them, remind them and reemphasize God's love for them and how he sees them, um, teach them about their fallen nature and how, you know, I said earlier that perfection is not, um, reached. Our young people are so screwed (laughs) with social media. Mm. I want to show you this picture that I, I wanted to make sure Uh, our young people, um, this is, this is what they see. Hmm. They look in the mirror and they see that apple, but they don't see the bitten part on the other side. They don't see that social media shows you that perfect, shiny apple in that mirror. Wow. And on the other side of that apple, you see that big chunk. So we have to remind our young people that perfection does not exist in this fallen world. We all have our own fallen states and mine is different than yours, but that, when they stop thinking about that perfect life that they see on social media they they can have a better understanding of um their situation and not think that it's um you know life like my life is perfect or i am I mean nothing <laughs> um and i think as youth leaders we're responsible to 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 stand in the gaps for that um don't dismiss their concerns um and i know this is a fine line I and mean, you're not um and you're not on um, duty per se,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, that saying no, when, when a child is in a mental health situation or a life or death situation, we have, we have to be postured to respond to that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then f- follow up as needed. So if you send them to a resource, um, and I think it's good for every youth ministry to have resources to send them out to our church actually has a, um, a counseling department, a counseling ministry that we can send them to, um, but have those resources available so you can refer them, um, to people. Uh, we, like you said, that's not our role, but, um, we definitely want to make sure that, um, that we're standing in those gaps for those young people. And then um, on top of that, I think getting training for the youth ministry team. um, I think that if there's anywhere in youth ministry that's lacking, I think um, we don't train our leaders enough in those areas. Um, I'm a mental health first aid facilitator and um, my sister and I actually do training for um, groups to teach leaders, um, whether it's in church, out of church schools, um, just to teach them how to be, um, those mentors or those, um, individuals who stand in those gaps. It helps, Mm -hmm. helps people improve their understanding of what, um, mental health is and not to stand in as a therapist because you're not trained in that area, but to stand in as a first responder. So Mm -hmm. that when someone comes to you in that way, kind of like CPR, when you're out, and you see someone fall over and you're CPR certified, you want to, your first step is to save that person's life until someone who is trained in that area can get there. And that's what um, mental health first aid is. We want to help keep that young person safe until we can get them um, to an appropriate resource that can help them further along the way.
0: Thank you. Thank you for sitting with us. I am, I'm honored and I'm, I've learned a whole lot of, there's a lots of process through uh, today and the conversation, but I feel like I've been sitting in um, a workshop put on you by you. So uh, thank you.
1: My pleasure. I'm grateful to, um, to serve. Tell us how uh, people in your area could potentially get trained by you and your sister from Idaho first aid and mm-hmm. uh, maybe text you for some resources, but just let us know what area you're in, you, you, what areas you serve from in first aid so they can, they can reach out to you.
2: Um, we, again, we're, I'm in, um, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, um, the DMV area, which is DC, Virginia, um, Maryland tri-state area. Um, we currently do travel, um, and we are in the midst of, um, learning the new platform where we can actually do virtual, um, mental cool. health training. So, um, I am on social media at, lena's love notes that's l-e-n-i-a-s love notes n-o-t-e-s um and you know inbox there uh, we can definitely get the information to anyone who's interested in that training
0: awesome we'll drop all of those links in the in the show notes so that people can find them and uh yeah well lena thank you so much
2: my pleasure my pleasure thank you for having me
0: Wow. That was an incredible conversation. I am, uh, I have a lot to process through. Um, there are some things that I picked up along the way, um, as Lena shared, um, her knowledge, um, and her experience. Um, there are things that I can directly apply to, uh, my everyday routine or, um, my interactions with other people. Um, it has me, it has me thinking about quite a few, quite a few things. Um, hopefully there's something that you picked up along the way as well uh, that you can apply directly to your routines, your, your life, um, your leadership, um, and then also how you interact with um, people around you that are closest to you, but then also people that are um, within your ministry. Uh, The more that we can, we can uh, be informed, the better that we can, we can care for other people um, and care for ourselves too. Uh, I, I, I really, Really enjoyed. uh, I really resonated with what um, Lena shared about um, how we can't, we can't, um, we can't pour out if we we have an empty cup. Uh, We will do nobody any good. Um, uh, Just this week, um, even for myself, um, taking time, uh, intentional time for myself, uh, in order to refuel um, adding things that, that, um, into my life that, um, add energy and give me energy, give me life. Those are, those are crucial things even outside of a pandemic. Um, so these are, these are things that we need to uh, pay attention to ourselves or to our body. Um, and take care of our mind intentionally. Um, we take care of our, we, we stay active. Um, many of us do. Uh, some of us are on that journey. It's all a journey for every single one of us and we're all in different portions of it. Um, so I encourage you to do just that. Find something as you, after you listen to this, um, maybe while you have been listening to this um, or watching this, uh, do something uh, intentionally that is pouring life into you. Uh, so that you can then pour life out to other people. We've said it all along uh, through through the very beginning of this. Uh, the more that you pour into yourselves, the more that you're able to pour out. And that's what we want you to, to hold on to over all of this. Um, thanks for being with us. Until next time, blessings.